All right, you guys. Uh, this is Terrence Brown, and these are the Brownie Points. Um, this is episode 16. Um, I entitled this episode um, Memoirs of Self. Um, of course, I like to start out every episode with a quote. Uh, here it goes. To commemorate yourself is not recompense for lack of knowledge of self as it pertains to the normalcy of the world. It is to contest convention and attest to the self-preservation that immortalizes me. Um, so that was a quote that came to mind um, that I wrote um, for this podcast for a particular reason. Um, one of the things that I want to talk about, and this is going to just be the grand scheme of the brownie point for today and for this episode is that um whether you're young or older um there is going to be a predicament where you are going to have to kind of self-analyze and kind of be aware of the energy and um the memories that you leave behind because um one of the absolutions of life is death um i know it sounds grim to start out that way and some may even think that to be pessimistic but um death along with life is absolute another absolution is that life can be short and it can fly by depending upon your experiences life is a roller coaster of many things, um, many accolades, many accomplishments, as well as um, many fears, many failures, and um, things that, you know, sometimes may um, make an individual scarce in regards to what the future, what the present, and maybe even what the past may formulate in your life. But one thing is for sure is that every experience and everything that we do will have a memory or have a set of thoughts and things that we attach to those experiences. Um, I think it's important that everybody have some type of memoir or memories that they have conjured up lessons to, to bestow upon the people that learn from them and the people that look up to them. Because believe it or not, um, you can be the most vile and evil person on the planet. Somebody is going to learn something from you. There is going to be a lesson from the things and the life that you've taken on. Um, so in saying that, we all have something that we pass on to other people. Just because, like I said, death is absolute and it's for certain. But... We have lessons, we have experiences, we have things, we have memories that we pass on to those around us. We have things that people remember or will remember about us when we're gone. Um, we have stories, we have a mentality, we have our temperament, our personality, our character, the things that we hold dear for ourselves. People covet in us um, as people. So my brownie point to you and to anybody out there listening is to always remember that from every lesson, from every failure, from anything that you fear, 
anything that has to do with yourself as a person, as an individual, as a mind, as somebody that is um, cognizant of your thoughts, um, be aware of the lessons that you learn and always know that there are somebody that somebody is out there listening, that somebody is out there that you may have not come across yet or have already come across that you are subconsciously or consciously teaching and to always remember that your memoirs and the things that you will be remembered by are instilled in those people as they come across you and as they interact with you and as they befriend you and any of those things. I try to typically keep myself aware of that. And it's part of the reason why I um, have an attitude and a demeanor that characterizes and personifies who's, who I am and what makes me me. Um, so one of the brownie points that I think is most important and so simplistic in saying it is you have to get to know yourself. You have to be able to understand who you are as a person. You have to analyze the identity and what you identify with in regards to your stances on things in life, your experiences and the lessons you've learned, um, your morale, your ethics, um, the things that bind you to this world, the things that are important to you, and the things that that make you who you are. Basically, what makes you a part of this world and purposeful in it as an individual and not so much to be of the convention of what everybody else is doing but what makes you you what is the individual characteristics that quantify your existence and your value in this world and to others um that is probably one of the most important things about being a human being is that you have the rare opportunity to not only influence others, but you also have the opportunity of knowing who you are and how you influence others and how you leave a lasting memory of who you are once you have transitioned from this world and from this life. Um, it is powerful. It's powerful stuff. And the reason why I'm talking about this right now is because, um, obviously, because, you know, I don't want to keep bringing it up, but I mean, we're talking about death and we're talking about the pandemic and we're talking about, you know, a virus that is claiming lives. And we're talking about, we're talking about putting at the forefront our, our fragile state as human beings in regards to we can at an instant be gone from this world and you're seeing it play out in this cataclysmic way in regards to this virus i mean i mean if you want to get real about it i mean it plays out every day you know in different types of ways and like I said, death is going to always be a knock away from who we are. And usually it's an instant. 
just as life is always a knock away. Um, and it's just, we have to understand that at the end of the day, whether our life be a year or whether our a year long or whether our life be a thousand years long, you still have a unique opportunity in all of that to be able to recognize what you can be memorized and what you can be commemorated for. And I'm saying that in regards to the positivity and the positive things that people remember you by. And what things are you putting out into the world? What type of energy um, and what type of spirit are you putting out in the world in regards to your being and your characteristics and your personality? Um, I believe those things to be important. So me saying that, um, I'm going to literally um, ask questions to kind of kind of bring up a conversation that is very simple that you can have with yourself and answer those questions as simplistic or as in-depth as you would like the answer to be. Um, for me, I have been on a I've been on a journey in regards to fulfilling the person that I am. I feel like for a long time in my life and throughout my existence, I have been blindly just living life and always kind of flying by the seat of my pants based on my experiences and never really getting to a point where I understood who I was and what I needed to be in my life to realize that I can have an impact in the world and make real change in the lives of the people around me. That includes my wife, that includes my children, that includes the students that I work with in the capacity of um, the, prof the profession that I work in. That includes people that I acquaint myself with. That includes strangers that I end up talking to. You want to leave an everlasting memory instilled in the people that come across you. And it's not necessarily for you. It's for the comprehension that more or less it's for the generalization of people understanding that there are people that are genuinely valuable in the world when they come across you. I want to come across people and let them know that I not only value who they are, that I want them to know that there is a reason and a purpose and why they talk to me, why they associate themselves with me, why my wife is with me, why my children were blessed um, to me, um, why strangers um, have the unique opportunity of coming across each other. Because um, honestly, there's a purpose and there's a a reason and a focal point centralized in those interactions. And I think a lot of it comes from us understanding the importance of our memorization to those that come across us. And that's why I entitled it Memoirs of Self. Because not only are you keeping a memoir of your own experiences, but at some point in time, whether it's written, whether it's recorded, whether it's um, through cognitive thoughts about you, people are going to remember who you are. And you want people to have an everlasting memory that 
that kind of conjures up positive energy and conjures up, you know, positive vibes and makes people smile and makes people hopeful, makes people feel like they can conquer, that they can persevere. And that's really the goal of my existence as a person. And I want people to also have that type of existence um, in the reality that they live in, because our reality can be bleak. It can be dark. It can be pessimistic. It can be it, it, it can be a lot of things that are contrary to all of the good and all of the light and all the illumination that we can exhibit in this life. But it can only be exhibited if we are people that understand who we are and understand how to shine our light on others. So um, in saying that, I'm going to get started with some of the questions that I have asked myself in regards to getting to know who I am as a person and realizing what it is that I want to do in life and how I've kind of molded myself as a person just based on some of these questions that are innate to me in my journey through life and in my journey of getting to know Terrence Jamal Brown. So I think one of the first questions that I think is probably most prevalent to most people is, who is your hero? Um, so my answer to that, of course, when you're growing up, your hero is always your parents, most likely. And because I come from a single parent home, obviously my hero was my mom, um, Vonda Henry, shout out to her. Um, but as I grew older and as I gotten, um, gotten the opportunity to meet a lot more people and come across people in my juncture, in my different junctures and growing up and developing as a person and as a mind, um, my, it's probably my second biggest hero was um Valerie Martinez um shout out to her as well um she was the person that put me at the forefront of realizing that I needed to know that I was at a crossroads in my life in regards to success and failure and being a detriment to my success and succumbing to my failure if I didn't understand that I needed to alleviate myself of my anger and I needed to alleviate myself of doubt. And I needed to take more accountability for the things that I could pursue in my own life. And nobody could dictate that. That was the one thing that I learned from her. Um, she may think, oh, wow, that's like crazy that you learned that. But that was the one thing that I learned from her. Um, I learned that education was my doorway to all of the opportunities that I needed to, to have in order to succeed. She showed me that there are people out there that care enough to ensure that I will get there as long as I trust people and trust them enough to understand that I am necessary in the world and that my gifts and my talents are necessary in the world. And she made me believe that to the point where I was so confident in understanding that 
I was needed and that people need me to be successful so I can go out and inspire and make an impact and change people who come from an environment, who come from a situation, who come from predicaments similar or just as much, you know, like myself. So Valerie Martinez, my hero. Um, last hero, um, I would say, um, well, there are multiple heroes, but they're all in one collectively. Um, and these are heroes that I see on a regular day. They may not think themselves to be a hero to me, but they truly influence what I do now. Uh, Kai Brown, Kasherin Brown, Kieran Brown, and Cami Brown. Um, those are my four children. Um, they're my heroes. They're my heroes because they constantly remind me that I have something to lose and that I have something to fight for and to protect. I have something to persevere through and I have something to be hopeful and proud of. They make me ecstatically like happy and when they get old enough to understand, I want to let them know that they're my hero. And maybe when they get old enough, maybe they'll listen to this podcast. Who knows? But I want them to know and I want to go on record saying that they are my heroes. And they have saved my life in so many ways that I can't even express in words what they've done for me as a person and, and in my development. And um, I'm going to always and forever be in their corner and I'm going to be whatever I need to be in order for them to be successful. And that's that. Um, so, I mean, in a nutshell, uh, those are my heroes. Those are the people who um, have made my life so much more fulfilling and have and have kind of carried me throughout my junctures in life and made me see the big picture of what it is that I need to do in order to live a life that is not only living a life for myself, but living the life that impacts many lives and that saves and helps and assists many lives. And I think that's important. Um, and so that's one of like one of the questions that I like to start with. Another question that I believe to be important in getting to know yourself is what is your biggest fear? Um, I think that's probably one of the most important questions in regards to getting to know yourself. What is my biggest fear? Um, my biggest fear outside of heights, I deathly afraid of heights. You will not catch me on a roller coaster. You will not catch me on a skyscraper. You will not catch me jumping out of a plane, um, skydiving, um, bungee cord jumping. You will not catch me doing any of that. Me jumping up in the air and landing is the extent of my height expeditions, literally. But, <laughs> but 
what my biggest fear is and um i think about it quite a quite a bit um my biggest fear is losing everyone that i love and having to live in that life without them with me um that means losing my wife um losing my wife my children to death losing my best friend losing my brothers um Tony and Jermaine um losing a lot of the friends that I grew up with losing my aunt and my mom um my cousins um those are my biggest fears and I think those are fears of everybody but I think most importantly um in that fear um my biggest fear is losing those people and knowing i had an opportunity to save them um i think that's probably the biggest fear not being adequate enough to help them to assist them so i try to do my best in what i can do in order to reach out to my friends reach out to my family um and do whatever is necessary in my life and in my existence to be able to pave the way for their existence. And I know that's hard to like to do because at the end of the day I can't ensure that people are going to listen to me, that people are going to want my help, my assistance, want my advice, want my knowledge, my wisdom, but at the end of the day I'm so fearful of it. I'm going to be persistent in saying those things. So a lot of my friends they get a lot of lectures from me about the way that they live their life because I think they're in the same boat that a lot of people are that they don't understand themselves enough to to kind of relinquish some some of the vices that they have in their life. At least relinquish the vices that are detrimental to themselves. Um everybody has vices, everything, everybody has something that kind of, you know, gets in the way of certain things and i don't judge them on that and i don't try to be judgmental about it but i try to also speak real to all of those people and make sure that they know my stance on things and know where i stand in regards to those things and it's not something that i offer but if the question is asked and people are looking for, to me for wisdom and looking to me for my knowledge um i'm going to speak as real as i can and there's a reason for that because at the end of the day what i know about myself is that i can't sugarcoat anything i can't sit here and tell you something is going to be okay when i'm looking at the course and at the string of events that have led up to um whatever is happening in the present and tell you everything is okay if you're being a detriment to yourself in regards to the things that you choose to acclimate yourself to. And my friends know me very well, my wife knows me very well, my children know my stance on life as a whole and life is very precious, life is extremely valuable, and if you don't treat it that way and if you don't have cog an a cognitive a cognitive analysis of what you mean to yourself then how can somebody else tell you to have that value for it 
So in regards to that question and that big fear is um, always understand what your biggest fear is and in and kind of as an interlude to that, also understand what you're willing to lose and what you're not willing to lose. Because even though those questions seemingly um, sound like they're similar questions, they're not. Because there's people out there that are willing to lose any and everything. And then there's people out there that are willing to lose nothing. And in asking those questions, one thing you have to realize is that there is always going to be sacrifice in the things that we want and in the things that are going to come to us, regardless of whether we try to relinquish them or abolish them from our lives. It all depends on our decision making and the things that we choose to have there. Trials and tribulations are are inevitable, um, regardless of the greatest and the most perfect decision making. There is a a reaction and a counter reaction to everything that we do. So we have to be prepared for that. So in asking that question, what is your biggest fear? Understand for yourself, not for anybody else, what your biggest fear is. And a lot of people get that misconstrued because a lot of people are fearful of things that other people fear. No. What is your biggest fear? and get to know it and get to comprehend why it's there. Um, for me, um, I've lost a lot of friends along the way. I've lost a lot of, um, people who didn't have my same sentiment in regards to, um, in regards to our processes and the way that we view life. Um, but I've also gained a lot of people in that. Um, so it, 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 there's going to always be sacrifice. Um, you just have to also understand that not all sacrifice is bad. And that's what people think is like sacrifice is bad. No, sacrifice can be a good thing sometimes. And sometimes it can be um, motivating. And also sometimes it, it can also be um, additional support for your thoughts and for your cognition. So you have to understand why it's there and you have to understand what put it there. So that's just what it is. Um, another question that I think is kind of synonymous to that question, what motivates you to work hard? Um, so to preface this question, there's a lot of people out there who are afraid of working for anything. Because if they work too hard for something and the results or whatever it is that they're looking to gain doesn't materialize, then they would have thought the hard work and the diligence be for nothing. Uh, let's be clear on that. Anytime you work hard for anything, it's not for nothing. You learn and you acclimate yourself to a specific procedure or protocol in regards to the way that you do things. So if I'm a person that works hard 120% of the time, regardless of if I fail or if I falter or um, I don't um, gain the accolades or the accomplishments that I hope to um, find in working hard, it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, those things will come because I'm 
a person that has the mentality that working hard is going to get me that much further in my life, regardless of if I get all of the things that I'm trying to work for. And eventually, if you work hard enough, you will. Um, what motivates me to work hard? Um, obviously, my family motivates me to work hard. Um, but the 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 real thing that really motivates me to work hard um, is understanding that I have to make an impact in the world. I think that's... Eh, to some, it may come off as cliche, but what I understand about myself is that I've come from a place of poverty and I've come from a place where I didn't have much and all I had was me and all I had was my thoughts and all I had was the ideas and ideologies and the morals that were instilled in me by the lessons and the things that I learned and the things that I listened to and the experiences that um, I dove myself into. Um, so now being older and understanding myself way more than I ever did in my entire life, I understand that what motivates me is seeing a world that I don't want to see and understanding that I have four children that will live in this world and will have to coexist in this world. And if I don't make an impact in this world, then how can I hope for my children to live in a better world than I have if I'm not a person trying to spearhead the, the movement or the transition of better things in this world, better opportunities, equality, equity for them and for others? So what motivates me is making an impact. And that's what drives me. I want to be able to impact the students I work with. I want to be able to impact the communities and the families I work with. I want to be able to go out in a world and know that regardless of how things may look, I put a stamp on this world because of the person that I was and the hard work and the diligence that I exuded to make it that way. Even if it's one little thing, even if it's only one person, I still have made an impact. And I wholeheartedly believe in that. And I wholeheartedly um, push and put pressure and a challenge for those out there. If you're not motivated to change the world that you live in on a day-to-day -day basis, then you're going to have a hard time working hard for anything or anyone for that matter. Because at the end of the day, it's not just about individual people. It's about us as a collective because we all live in this world and we all have to live in it. So regardless of our disagreements, our quarrels, um, our bouts with each other, um, what we you know view politically, economically, you know, all of those things, it does not matter. It's irrelevant. Your impact in the world is what's going to make all of the difference in the things that we think and the things that we feel and in the sentiment that we have towards each other. So what motivates me is all the people that I see on a day to day and their stories 
and the things that they go through and finding a way to be able to help that person, that group of people, that community so that my children can grow up and live and be around those people and in those communities doing the same exact thing, making their impact in the world so they can go and inspire another generation to do the same. I look at the big picture. I, I'm a big I'm a big advocate for the big picture of things. You have to understand that there is a bigger portrait of life that you are only a brushstroke in in regards to the whole portrait. We're just brushstrokes to a portrait that has yet to be completely painted. And depending on your impact, you may get a couple more brushstrokes um, onto that painting. But at the end of the day, the big picture is all of us. And we play a part in making that and creating it. And that's it. I mean, that's a, to me, that's a, a, a great question to ask yourself too. Like, what are you willing to work for? And how hard are you willing to work for it? Um, and that that's really it. Like, I, I think that I think that's probably one of the more important things that you need to understand about your existence and about your life and what you think you should go for and what motivates you to work as hard as you work in your life. Um and and that's really it like you have to you have to be a person that understands that without you and your purpose that is a community of people and that's a group of um and that's a collective group of humanity that misses out on who you are and that's why it's so um it's paramount to understand who you are and it's paramount and imperative to understand yourself and understand the things you want and understand your mind, your ideas, the way you think and how it plays a part in this big picture. Think about it. you guys um so i'm gonna get into my next kind of series of questions um these questions um are more related to finding growth in ourselves being able to develop and grow as people and as individuals for ourselves and understanding the growth of our thoughts and understanding the growth of our ideas and understanding the growth of our ideals when it comes to the world and things that we um, kind of the things that we are interacting with and engaged in um, when it comes to people, when it comes to things, professions, um, our turmoil, our um, our love lives. Um, the things that we have disagreements and bouts about with other people. Um, I think it's very important to understand self-growth and understanding where we come from 
as people and how we have evolved as people and what it means in that evolution of ourselves and how it um, counteracts some of the things that we are accustomed to in our world of convention and a world of um, compliance um, in a world where people um, generally conform to whatever what things are going on um, in a world where people are more concerned with trends as opposed to being at the forefront of creating something that is different and new. Um, I think a lot of that understanding um, has to do with self. Um, you're not easily a conformist to things if you understand yourself more. Um, because you're going to be in a place and in a predicament where you're liable to um, to be more inquisitive and to question things around you as opposed to just understanding the world as it is and things happen because they happen. No. And that's my next brownie point. Never, ever take anything for face value. There is a depth. There is a meaning. And then there are complimentary questions that come along with understanding things in the depth in which they exist. Um, never take anything face value. And that means for yourself too. Everything, everything that you see, um, regardless of if it's many, uh, many skill or if it's in the grand scheme of things, um, you have to be aware that there is analysis and that there is things and ideas that are conjured from everything that we see and everything that we think and everything that is um, attached to this world and attached to our being as people and as an individual. Um, so it's important that in those circumstances and in those moments that we find ourselves growing as individuals and as people, because if that growth is not happening and we are just seemingly conforming to everything that's going on, then we ultimately, we ultimately leave our individuality to the convention of everybody else, as opposed to being the dictator of who we are and who we understand ourselves to be. So um, in saying that, um, my next kind of series of questions, and like I said, these are questions that I'm asking myself here on the podcast, but these are, you know, a few questions to the billion of questions that you should ask yourself on a regular basis. So you know the answer and the understanding as to why you've answered questions this way. Um, so this one is going to be more so about our value to ourselves. How can I, how can I express my love to myself and for myself? This is one of the most complicated questions you could probably ask anybody on the planet. You can ask this to a person that is completely and utterly self-absorbed, um, self-centered, selfish, um, and they would have a hard time answering this question. You can ask this, per, um, this question to, you know, the polar opposite of a person 
who, you know, is completely selfless, um, completely focused on helping others, and they won't have an answer for it. Or the answer may be complicated. This is a very complicated question, but it, but the simplicity of it and asking it is what makes it so important um, as a human being and as a person and as people that need to understand themselves. How can I express my love for myself? I, and honestly, I don't even know how to answer it. Um, I'm a person who has come up in a world where I didn't necessarily have the capacity to feel very much love for myself because of the circumstances in which I was in. And not only the circumstances in which I was in, but when you're in a when you're in poverty or if you've ever lived impoverished and you've gone without many things in your in your formative years as I've done and you are in a single parent home with two other brothers and a mom who has struggled with depression and you know self-hate and you go out into a world where you are you are the underrepresented and you are the disproportionate group because I'm African American and people have hate for you and then you are also understanding that hate for yourself to be hate that you have to consummate as hate for yourself because others hate you it's very hard to find love for yourself in that circumstance because you're getting it from all angles you're in a household where you know it was better it it was better to be brought up with you know strictness and you know an author, uh, author uh, an authoritarian um type of environment because my mom didn't want me to grow up to be a thug and to be somebody, you know, out on the streets. But at the same time, also looking at my mother's struggle with her own demons and her own depression and then going out into a world and realizing I wasn't the right color. And then also living in poverty and being talked about because I didn't have the best of clothes and I didn't have, you know, the best of everything and I didn't live in an environment that was conducive to good things happening. So being able to express love for myself in those circumstances was extremely hard. It was almost impossible. And in my mind, it was improbable because how can I express love for myself if nobody loves me? Um, everybody is out thinking that I will not become anything and I'm starting to kind of linger in the mentality that I might not become anything because people expect it of me. So I had to learn, um, with this question, particularly 
what things I loved most about myself. And to be honest, (laughs) I mean, even to this point in time, there's not very many things that I can honestly sit here and say that I love about myself per se. But um, as life has kind of went on, I'm starting to understand more in regards to why I have to love myself. And it has to fall in the grand scheme of understanding, you know, that I need to be able to love myself to the extent in which I want other people to love me. Um, So expressing love to myself is, for me, um, is simply um, understanding that I have to, I have to be positive and I have to understand that even though the world that I once was in um, shouldn't plague me now, but there's residual pain and trauma from that. And I have to understand that I loved myself enough to place myself in a predicament to be successful. That means I loved myself more than I loved the situation that I was in. And that's saying something. There's a lot of people in the world that don't love themselves enough to get out of the the situations that they may be in that are bad for them. Um, I love myself enough to endure all of the things that I've gone through to get to this point in my life. I love myself enough to want children to mirror my mentality or to have a mentality that would far exceed my wisdom and my knowledge. Um, I loved myself enough to, um, to have somebody love me more than I may even love myself. And that's my wife, um, Jessica Brown, shout out to her. Um, and I love myself enough to work in a profession where I have to teach and acclimate students to loving themselves enough to where they realize success and um, persevering through their turmoil and their trauma um, will be the best bet for them. So in expressing love for myself, um, sometimes I have to sit back and just kind of Thank the Lord that I am who I am. I think that's probably my way of expressing is always being in prayer and understanding when I'm talking to God that I thank him for my existence. Sometimes I may not like to live in my existence and there were times in my past that I absolutely didn't want to be in my shoes. I didn't want to live in my own shoes. I didn't want to live in my life. And I had no choice but to. But because I did and because I persevered through it, now I have to thank the Lord for one, giving me the strength to live through that life that I didn't want to be in in the first place. And two, thanking him to give me the strength to persevere and giving me that life in which I persevered through. That's how I express love for myself, is knowing that there was somebody out there looking for me and that there are people out there to love me enough to where 
it makes me think that I should love myself because they love things about me. Um, the Lord loved something about my spirit and who I was to create me and put me in this world. So I have to do better in loving who I am and what I do and what I've done and where I've come from and being accountable for that. So, but I think that's a great question to ask yourself because I think a lot of people would get stomped with the answer. And like I said, this is something that is ongoing. That's not an that's not going to be the same answer for me in the next, you know, next year, in the next five years, 10 years. It's going to be something different, but it's going to be something a lot more elaborate. So um, how to express love for yourself. Um, another question um, that I believe to be important and um, a lot of people may not ask themselves that. Um, it's simple, too. What is your favorite quote? I think everybody, regardless of who you are, you have a mantra. You have something that you live by. You have a motto. You have something that motivates you to live the way that you live or to do the things in the manner in which you do them, um, to exhibit the mentality that you have, to kind of work hard and just be who you are. It characterizes and sums up who you are as a person. And um, my favorite quote is actually a Bible verse. Um, and it's a Bible verse that I live by and and it's it's been tremendous in my life in regards to who I am, what I am, and what I will become. Um, so it's John 16, verse 33. The way that I've um, kind of memorized it is for there will be trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Um, the NIV states it as I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So there's a couple of different ways that it's been translated as, but either way, the message is still the same. Um there are going to always be trials and tribulations in your life. There are go there's going to always be turmoil, whether it be personal, outwardly, or things going on that are out of your control. Um, there's going to also be things that and challenges that you have to surpass and you have to overcome. And the reason why you overcome them is because Jesus has overcome them, um, and He has overcome the world. So if He endured all of the things that He endured and died for our sins and died for the things and the luxuries that we have in this life, then the least that I can do in, in my life is overcome and persevere through the things that I have come through and that I have gone through. That is a powerful Bible verse to me. Um, I don't think myself to be um, a religious person per se, but I am a person that is very spiritual. I do read the Bible. I do pray and do talk to the Lord very often. Um, and that's just who I am. And that, that verse kind of encompasses my character as a person. So when I wake up every day, I thank the Lord for waking up every day. I thank the Lord for the things that I have. 
I thank the Lord for the challenges and the things that I've had to persevere through to get a step ahead in life. Um, but on top of that, I thank the Lord that Jesus was able to overcome what he overcame. So I'm able to overcome what the things that I've overcome in my life and the things that I will hope to overcome in the future. Um, and that's paved the way for me. And that's kind of the thing that I live by. And I always keep that verse in the back of my head um, just so I know that that's a point of reference for me in regards to the things that I'm going through or in regards to some of the challenges that I may face or some of the obstacles that may happen because life is filled with obstacles, barricades and things that are in our path. And it's our job to understand it and to be able to get over it and not succumb to the temptation of faltering to those things, but overcoming them. So I um, honestly think that was probably, uh, that's a great question to ask yourself too. And even if it's not a quote, just have something that characterizes your motivation to overcome. And like I said, it can be a mantra, something you live by. It can be a quote. It can be a Bible verse. Uh, it can be any of those things, but just have something that is short and it's sweet and it's your mission in life and it helps you to stay motivated and it keeps you on the path to the things that you want in your life and in the lives of others. Um, so yeah, so with that, I, I um, that that's a, a good question that I that I love to have, and and in regards to us talking about memoirs of self, um, I think those are cool. You know, for people that don't know you, I think those are cool quotes and things to have, kind of in the tuck, to let people know the type of person that you are, just based on something like that, your mantra. And, uh, you know, and it could, it could be like a rap song. It can be rap lyrics. It can be anything like, it can be anything like that. As long as it's meaningful and it had, and it holds value for you in your motivation and your confidence in how you pursue your existence in life. Um, so another kind of big question, um, I think this is a good question too. What is the biggest lesson I've learned? Um, like I said, this is a loaded question as well, because in my life I've learned, I've learned so many lessons that honestly, like it's hard to pinpoint one as, you know, the most valuable or the most important or the most cerebral to who I am as a person, but but I think the one that I kind of hold dear to myself, um, the biggest lesson that I've learned is to always, one, be at peace with everything that goes on in your life, be at peace with um, who you are, and also be a person that adheres to listening to the stories and the value and the morals of others. I'm a big advocate on listening to people um, because you learn so much about who you are when you listen to others. 
not only do you learn a bunch of things about yourself when you listen to other people, but you also learn about who you are when you're hearing things from other people. It's so humbling to hear some of the stories and some of the things that people have gone through um, because it lets you know that one, your humanity is a lot, may be a lot more easier to exist in than some of the other things that other people endure. So my biggest lesson is always to be at peace in everything because at the end of the day, you do not want to be on your deathbed or find yourself faced with death and not be at peace with things that are in your life. Um, but you also want to understand too that every moment or every interaction is an opportunity to not only learn something, but to hear something that's valuable. And that's why I do my best to be a great listener because I love not only wisdom um, and general knowledge of things, but I love hearing stories about people overcoming. I love hearing stories about people um, in regards to humility and accountability for themselves. I love hearing stories. I love hearing the Cinderella stories. I love hearing stories of people um, bouncing back. Um, those are the stories I live for. So I think some of the biggest lessons are learned in those stories. And perseverance is key in all of it. So um, I think that to be a great question to ask yourself on a regular basis. What are you learning and what are some of the lessons you're learning throughout your life and throughout your existence um, for yourself and how they motivate you to to do better and to evolve? Um, I'll give you one more question for this section um, that I think is key in regards to um, things to live by. Um Am I doing everything I can to maintain a healthy mind? So this question can be extremely tricky. Um, not only is it a loaded question and not only is it a question of, um, of our existential thoughts and mentality and what we think. But it's also a question of whether we are aware of our mental state and if it's healthy. I think there are so many people in the world who would not understand the gravity in which this question is valuable and it's important to us as people. It's an extremely important question. Am I doing everything I can to maintain a healthy mind? And if I was just to ask this question in a crowd of people, I feel like you would just hear crickets. Because not only is it an important question, it's a question that us as human beings tend to shy away from because this question has to do with perspective and not only does it have to do per with perspective but it also transcends the way that we think 
and it generalizes our outside perspective to understand whether our inner perspective in regards to our mentality and the health of our thoughts and our mind, is it toxic or is it not? Is it detrimental or is it helping us? Is it hindering us or is it allowing us to grow? Um, health is probably one of the most um, prolific things that we talk about, not only just our mental health, our physical health, our um, our emotional health, um, and a lot of a lot of that stuff, emotional health and um, our physical health and our mental health, um, they all coincide with our existence as a whole. My answer to that question, what am I doing? Or am I doing everything that I can um, that I can to maintain a, ment- a healthy mind? I think the answer for myself and I think for a lot of people would be no. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not doing everything that I can to maintain a healthy mind because I get into this. I get into this mentality where I think my mind and the way that I think and how I think is okay. And it's because of my perspective on things. And that may be skewed just because it's my mind dictating my perspective on how I think and my mentality. So if I'm already more or less overly confident that my mind is healthy, that lets me know right there that I'm not doing a damn thing to ensure that I'm doing everything that I can to maintain a healthy mind. And that can be toxic within and of itself. And I'm just being transparent with you guys. I think myself to be extremely intelligent. I think myself to be extremely thoughtful. I think myself to be extremely insightful. Um, I think the way that I think is probably one of my strongest attributes as a person. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything in regards to whether my mind is healthy or not. If you think about people that are, you know, quote unquote geniuses, there was some things off about them in order for them to perfect the genius level thinking or the genius level um, cognition that they have. And you can think about it for anybody, Albert Einstein. Um, you think about it for people like um, Steve Jobs, um, people like Bill Gates, um, people that have come up with extraordinary things and monumental things that exist in our world now. Um, there were things that were happening that didn't allow them to have a healthy mind regardless of how intelligent, how genius level their cognition was and the things that they came up with. So on that, so if, so if a genius, uh, if a person that's um, considered and deemed a genius be unhealthy in their mind, imagine people that are not at that, at that mental capacity in regards to their knowledge base 
and their intelligence. Imagine those people. And I would fall in that same category. Um, so, no, I'm not doing everything that I can to maintain a healthy mind. But um, one of the things that I think is beneficial in maintaining a healthy mind is, one, um, knowing the things that are toxic, um, understanding the things that you do that are detrimental to how you think about certain things. Um, an example of this would be, you know, a skewed um, self-perception of yourself. Um, this could be, you know, this can be viewed as like body shaming or, you know, uh, I guess for women more so, um, how they view their bodies, um, how people compare themselves to others in regards to, you know, socioeconomics, um, status, classism, racism falls under that. A lot of those things, you know, are not only, you know, classified under the physicality, but it also is internalized in your mental state in the way that you think. And that can make your mind unhealthy. Hate and bias those things are unhealthy for your mind. They skew the world around you and they give you a perception of things that don't exist. And I think that's what we're talking about in healthy mind. And I think the, I think the most important thing in maintaining a healthy mind is being realistic, being realistic about the things that are in existence being realistic with yourself about some of the things and the attributes that you have, um, being realistic um, about some of your talents, your skills, your strengths, and your weaknesses. Um, I think that's probably the best way to tackle that question. Um, I think is always having a perception that is real and that um, that's not, you know, overly you know, positive, but not also overly negative, but kind of, kind of a balance of both and maintaining a, a realism about who you are as a person, your identity, um, how you define yourself. Um, and I'm a person and I'm a huge advocate about being real about a lot of things in the world and about, and being real with people. So I think for myself, and for anybody that asked herself that question, um, the answer, or at least a suggested answer is always understand that your realism and being realistic in the situations that involve you and your mental state is what's going to help you to maintain your, your mental state and to maintain a healthy mind. Um, I'm going to do one more question um, for this part of the podcast that um, I deem to be important. And um, hopefully, as you guys are listening to some of these questions, um, you're kind of asking them for yourself in regards to what they mean to you and what you can do to better equip yourself to answer those questions. Um, 
I think this question is also very simple too, but there's a lot of meaning behind it. Am I more of a leader or a follower? Um, we live in a world where conformity is the norm. And if you are not a person that is complacent in conformity, you are demonized for being different. You are demonized for going against the grain. You are looked at as um, negating a reality that doesn't personify the perception of others. Um, for me, I am more so a leader than I am a follower. And because I am a leader and not a follower, I have cast out a lot of people in my life that I signified as important to me. Um, this includes people that are close to that I thought were close to me. These are friends that I've grown up with. These are family members that I have, you know, known for, you know, long, you know, stints of time because I choose to be a person that doesn't follow the crowd. And, and that's not to sit there and say that I've never, you know, been a follower. I've never, you know, followed people in, you know, the things that they have. I, I think everybody has been in that predicament. But if you've been a follower more times than you have a leader, then that kind of lets you know where your existence relies. And I've always been a person and I've always believed that my thoughts um, in the grand scheme of things, don't necessarily comply with the, the act of following others. I can't have all of these ideologies and thoughts, but then decide that I need to follow other people. I can't be that person. Um, and I've never been that person, never will be. Um, you have to look at your own life and look at yourself to understand whether you're that person. Um, and even if you are a follower or a leader, you have to understand the rationale in which you are. My, my main objective and my ulterior motive in being more so a leader and standing out was not to get any type of not notoriety for my name or it wasn't to be famous, it wasn't to be known or recognized for anything. It was simply based on my initiative to have thoughts that were different from other people. And some people may think that to be like, oh, you're just trying to cast yourself out. You're not necessarily a leader. You're just a castaway from where everybody else is doing. And that's not necessarily true. Because a castaway is a person that alleviates themselves from the role of being either my thoughts were a, like transcended my mind when I realized I could use these ideas to help others and as a follower you can't necessarily help too many people if you're following the backs of other people and that's where my leadership and my advocacy for other people came into play because I can't be a castaway if my my whole 
purpose is to help others. And these thoughts and my resources and my knowledge base be dedicated to that. So find yourself in a predicament where you are asking yourself whether you're a leader or you're a follower um, and kind of see why you are and kind of rationalize um, why you're on either side of the spectrum and see what you can do to become more of a leader. Because I don't think anybody in this world wants to be a follower forever. Um, I never wanted to be a follower. So I think there's going to be a moment in time and a transition where you're going to find yourself thinking of things that are going to not necessarily um, be a follower's mentality. You You can't be sheep forever. At some point in time, you're going to have to you're going to have to herd um, people in with your thinking and with your thoughts. And that has to do with finding yourself in positions that may make you uncomfortable. Being a leader is uncomfortable. I feel like being a follower is probably the most comfortable a person can be because they're not they're not utilizing their own thoughts and actions for things to happen. They're following behind others. But as a leader, you have to you have to initiate. You have to be the person at the forefront of things. And you have to get people to um you have to persuasively get people to understand and you know, follow in the initiatives and in the things that you think and deem to be positive in this world. Um so think about that when you're when we're having this discussion and questioning ourselves about who we are and what our identities mean and these certain questions that I'm asking myself. So think about it. All right, you guys. Um, So this will be my last series of questions in regards to um, kind of our memoirs of ourselves and what we want to leave behind in regards to what people know and view us as and are going to commemorate us as and who we are as people um, and as individuals. Um, So one of the questions that I think to be pertinent to this conversation Um, is there something that I feel like is missing from my life? Um, This is more so an existential question of purpose and a question of whether we have lived a life long enough and thoroughly enough to understand if there is something missing in our lives. This question is going to be subjective to anybody that that is out in the world. A person that may be, you know, lonely and doesn't have a, you know, camaraderie and love is going to think that they're missing something in their life because they don't have somebody to share it with. Um, A married couple is going to think there's something missing in their life if they don't have children. Um, a homeless person 
is going to think that they're missing something in their life because they don't have materialistic things that they have to, that they can covet. Um, so like I said, this question is extremely subjective, but there's a reason why I asked, I, I asked, I asked this question is because for everybody, it's going to be something different. Um, for me, I don't, I don't struggle with necessarily missing anything in my life. I feel like for myself, I have achieved everything that I was supposed to achieve at this juncture and at this crossroads in my life. Um, in regards to anything missing, um, I think that can get misconstrued and tricky for a lot of people because um, just because you don't necessarily have something that you may have wanted in your life doesn't necessarily mean that you were missing it. It's like, I mean, if we want to speak in metaphors, um, I can't miss the sun if I've always been accustomed to the moon and seeing the moon all the time and vice versa. I can't be, I can't be accustomed to missing love and a relationship if I've never been in love and I've never been in a relationship. So do you get what I mean? Like it, it's something of that nature and it gets deep. It's a, it's a very deep question. Um, you would be crazy to try to answer this question surface level because not only is the subjectivity of the question um, hard enough, but thinking about something that you miss enough to kind of get the sentiment that you may need this in your life. And in my, and in my, and this is my opinion on the question, I don't believe that wherever you are in your life, that you're missing anything in your life at that moment. Um, for me, I'm not missing anything or I don't feel like I'm missing anything in my life in this, in this present moment. Now, if we go back in retrospect where my development was, you know, a little less, then yeah, I may think that I'm missing something in life. But as of now, um, and in regards to answering that question and understanding myself and understanding the journey that I have gone through and understanding my experiences, I'm not missing anything as of right now in my life. Uh, and I will probably never feel that way because I feel like life is a series of experiences and that you're supposed to go through those things. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're missing out on anything because you haven't achieved it or you haven't gotten to that point in life just yet. Um, life, like I said, it keeps going and we have to still continue to live regardless of whatever it is that we think we're missing. Um, because you never know. You never know what is bound to pop up in your life. So that is a very, very good question to ask yourself. If you believe that you're missing something in your life, um, a better question and kind of a derivative to that is um, what do you think you're missing in your life and why do you believe that it should exist in your life at that moment where you feel like it's missing? 
Um, so that's kind of a flip on that as well. But um, that's a great question to ask yourself um, in regards to getting to know yourself. Um, another question. Um, and I think this question kind of um, speaks to um, the people around us. Uh, who can you go to for advice? Um, there's a lot of people out there who who are constantly in need of others to advise them and kind of give them guidance in regards to their life and some of the things that are going on with them. Um, for me, um, as of right now, um, I can go to my hero, Valerie Martinez, for advice. I can go to my aunt, um, Nina Bell. Um, shout out to her. Um, if I ever need advice, um, outside of that, I don't have very many people that I can go to for advice. There are people out there that I feel are knowledgeable enough and understand me to the extent where they probably could, but, um, I myself just don't feel comfortable, um, asking those questions and it's not necessarily, um, because I'm trying to um, eradicate, you know, my level of, or eradicate for people the level of understanding they should have in regards to my situation. Um, and it's not a thing of disclosure. Um, it's, it's a thing of who do I feel is going to give me the best advice from the least amount of bias. Um, and that's just how it is. Um, your friends can be biased in regards to the advice that they give you. Family sometimes can be biased in regards to the advice that they can give you. Um, people with ulterior motives um, in regards to you and what you can do in regards to the advice that they're giving you. Um, so it, it's hard to do that. So it's when I think of this question and also as a kind of a brownie point in regards to that, you have to think about your circle and the people that you keep around you. And then you also have to think of um, the people that are going to be objective about the advice that they give you, um, because some people can have ulterior motives in regards to the things that they want to lure you into um, when it comes to you. And you have to understand and be aware of that. Um, so in regards to that, who can I um, go to go to for advice? Like I said, it's probably only two people. There's maybe a couple more that I have in mind, but, you know, um, two people for sure that I can go to for advice. Um, and like I said, it's because I feel like they'll be the least biased about the things that I'm going through. Um, and you want to seek advice from those types of people. Bias and judgment and um and just all of those things come with um people in general so you want to make sure that you come across people that um have little to no you know bias in being objective about the things that you seek from them and the guidance that you seek from them um and I think that's great for your growth as a person is you have to be aware of yourself 
and others in order to receive bias. And I think it's a humbling experience as well. Um, I'm not in a place where I feel humble enough to ask a lot of people for advice. And sometimes, you know, it may be good to get the perspective of many people to see what you should do um, in regards to some of the, the ideas that people have. And there's a lot of people out there, if they genuinely care about you and love you, um, they're not going to steer you wrong. And they're going to be completely objective about your situation. So um, I want to kind of preface that with that question. Um, one thing um, that um, I think this is a another good question, too. I think this is a very deep question, too. Um, in what ways am I hurting myself? When we think about our mental health and we think about who we are as people, um, there are a lot of things that history has shown us about humanity that lets us know that we can be extremely self-destructive. We can be a completely and utterly like self-serving to the point where we ruin our existence when it comes to the pathway to success and in our pursuit of happiness. In what ways am I hurting myself? And when I think of this question, one way that I feel like I hurt myself is that um, I'm not the most forgiving person. Um, I think I've talked about it in a previous podcast. Though I listed my mom as one of my heroes, um, as of right now, I have not talked to my mom in maybe three to four years. Um, and it's because of, you know, of course, personal issues and kind of a a falling out um, between um, her and me. And I have yet to forgive her. Um, and I think that that is hurting me. And part of that comes from the fact that when I feel like somebody has wronged me to a point where it's extremely hard to reconcile our differences, that I don't see the pathway to forgiveness as easily as some other people would. And I know forgiveness is kind of the the objective in living a life of peace. And like I said before, um, but in regards to that, um, I've struggled with that piece in regards to that situation between me and my mom. So that that has hurt me um, in these last four years of my life, um, kind of not having that relationship with her. And I'm being completely and utterly transparent with you guys. Um, so that and then I think also um, if we, you know, date it back, um, I think not ever having a relationship with my dad. Um, I don't think that will ever probably happen and I'll probably never succumb to 
the reality of ever wanting to allow myself the opportunity to forgive him for not being there for me and my brothers and my mom in um, a situation where he was needed. Um, I think that hurts me. And I think that's kind of molded me into kind of having the thought process that I have. Um, and that could go, you know, and, and I'm saying that in good and bad things. Um, it's made me extremely motivated. It is, has made me um, to be more diligent as a father to my own children. Uh, it has also made me, um, it has made me um, more hesitant to be, to, to try new things. Um, my, my dad was strung out on crack and he was a thief. And those are definitely things I never, ever want to be a part of. And I never want to be so engrossed in those things that I forget about my family and I forget about the things that mean the most to me. Um, but because I have not brought it to the forefront of my heart to be forgiving of him, it, it it's it hurts me and it may not hurt me like to the extent that it did when I was younger when I was a child but definitely the trauma and the bruises of that situation still still lie dormant in me and in my heart and um I think about that stuff sometimes and I think about the situation with my mom and everything like that. And um, for me, the biggest thing from both of those situations has been forgiveness. And because I haven't forgiven them, um, the, the, the turmoil from it has not put me in a place of peace. And I think, you know, as I get older and as life goes on, um, hopefully um, I am instilled with the knowledge and then the grace and just keep praying that I get to a point where I will be able to forgive them and I will be at peace in whatever comes of it. So um, that's a great question to ask yourself. Um, in what ways am I hurting myself? Um, and there's, of course, for every person, there's multiple things that we do that could be hurting us as people. And we just have to, we have to be aware of it and we have to know what we need to do in order to stop that hurt. And like I said, for me is I have to understand for myself that forgiveness will be the key to my peace in those situations. Um, so yeah, um, I think that to be an amazing question, actually. Um, let's see. Um, another question that, um, I think is great for self-growth and um, understanding things that we need to live by um, is how do I practice spirituality and what can I be doing to practice it more? So like I said, um, I wholeheartedly am a person that um, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. 
Um, I believe in the power of prayer and talking to God and having conversations with God. I wholeheartedly believe in um, fellowship with other people who um, who may or may not believe in God. They don't, you know, you don't necessarily have to um, believe in God or believe in religion or spirituality or church or the Bible or any of those things to have spirituality that conjures up fellowship between you and other people. Um, I'm not a church goer. Um, I used to be when I was younger. Um, I'm not a church goer as of now, um, just because I am the type of person that believes that church does not exist in a building. It exists wherever there's fellowship. Um, that can be amongst friends. That can be amongst your family. That can be amongst strangers. Um, and that's just the type of person that I am. Um, you don't have to, you don't have to agree with that sentiment, but I'm just letting you know where I come from. Um, I wholeheartedly, um, I do read the Bible. Um, I do read the scriptures. I do read, um, spiritual literature in regards to that. Um, I, I do a lot of things in regards to spirituality. I do believe wholeheartedly in the spirit that is instilled in everybody. I believe everybody has a soul. Um, and I believe the things that we do in this life, good or bad, either, you know, personifies the, the purity of the soul or it taints it. I do believe in that. Um, and, and that's just um, how it is. Um, how do I practice spirituality? Like I said, um, I pray a lot. I talk to God um, I have conversations with other people about things in regards to the spirit and the soul. Um, we can talk about scripture. Um, we can talk about the things that are going on in the world. I think spirituality just has to do with um, just involving ourselves in the, in the, how do you say it? In the, in the aura of things that are beyond our humanity. Um, there are a lot of things out in the world and in our hearts that we can't explain and that we can't rationalize. Um, and that's just hit. Um, it's not our job to, our job is to do our best in understanding it and having conversations to better our existence as people and to kind of search for the things that are going to bring about not only happiness, but peace. Um, a lot of the concepts like forgiveness, humility, accountability, um, prayer, um, they exist for a reason. And I think a lot of people have to understand that you have to get outside of yourself to understand yourself in spirituality. Um, spirituality consummates who you are as a person, your personality, um, it, it conjures up the, the emotions and the, the compassion and passion that you have to do the things that you do. Um, and it exhibits who you are. It personifies, um, the shell that you live in as a, um, as a human being, because at ultimately your physicality is a shell. Your spirituality and the spirit that lives in you, your soul, is a person that you truly are. And like I said, the things that we do in our outwardly um, existence can, you know, can can either 
um, exemplify the purity of our soul or it can it can, you know, be a detriment to the to the illumination of what our soul is supposed to be. So um, whether you're an atheist, whether you're a person that's a Christian, non-denominational, um, a person that's like me um, and just, you know, you don't choose you don't choose religion necessarily as the thing to motivate your spirituality. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that we all don't or can't believe in spirituality. Um, spirituality is there for all of us. You have to just find yourself in a state of mind where um, the things that you do are transcended, are are transcendent of your soul and your spirit, um, and practice things that are not only going to nourish your body but nourish the soul, nourish the mind, um, and that's probably the best way I would answer that question um, in regards to. Um, developing yourself as a person. I mean, that's part of it. It's not just the the mind and the body, but it's also the spirit and the soul. Um, that and that that's just it. That's part of who you are, and that's part of what you represent as um as your existence, you know, in this world. Um, and that's just how it is. Another question. I think I'm gonna end on this question because I think this is probably going to be a, an important question in regards to yourself and who you are. Do I care enough about others? How can I be a more empathetic person? Um, one thing that I have always understood about this life and that I've always understood about the people in this life is that there are more selfish people and more self-centered people than there are selfless people um, in the world. Um, there's a lot more people in the world that are more concerned about what they can gain for themselves from you as opposed to what they can gain for themselves um, by learning from you. Uh, there's a lot more people who choose to take rather than give and there's a lot more people out there that are guilty of draining people dry and not caring about what they have taken from other people um, and in saying that do I care enough about others um, I absolutely care a lot about people, but I've also been a in a predicament and I've been in an existence in my life where I wanted to take a lot more than I wanted to give. Um, and it comes from and it comes from a lot of things. It comes from me being jaded. It comes from me getting to a um, kind of a crossroads where I felt like people were taking advantage of me. So. Now I'm going to take advantage of people and I'm going to do things to people that they didn't necessarily warrant it, that behavior, but I did it because somebody did it to me. And um, in those situations, did I feel guilty? Yes. Um, did I care? Mm, not so much. 
Um, but now as I, you know, as I've kind of ascended to the person that I am, I, I do, I do find myself thinking about those situations and thinking about how I could have been better and caring about the things that I was doing and the hurt that I caused to other people. Um, because at that time I wasn't very empathetic. Um, I didn't care because somebody didn't care enough to be empathetic towards my situation and they took from me. Um, and that's just how it is. Um, at this point in time, I do care. And, um, this is a brownie point, um, to those that are those types of people who don't care enough about others and don't care to be empathetic. You have to always remember whatever energy you put forth, you are going to get that same energy back. And I wholeheartedly believe in that. Uh, you can call it karma. You can call it, um, you can call it, um, whatever you want to call it. A lot of people call it karma. Um, you just have to understand whatever you take in, you have to be, you have to know that you're going to receive that stuff. Whatever you're shooting, whoever you're shooting at, you have to understand people are going to shoot right back at you. And that's just how it is. That's the world that we live in. And in that, you have to learn the lesson that you have to empathize with what people are going through. And you have to care. A lot of people sit there and say that they don't care. And that's one thing that I used to say all the time. I don't care. I was like, I don't give a F. I used to say these things all the time. And I had to get to a point in myself. The reason why I was saying these things is because I didn't care enough about myself. So why am I going to sit here and care about what you're going through and what you're doing? But once I started to realize that I care more about my life, I was like, damn, because I care more now about who I am and I care about myself, I have to. I have no choice but to care about the things that are going on with other people. I have to empathize with other people. I have to be there for people. I have to show my support and assist and help people. I have to do whatever it is in my power to make sure that I exude care for those around me. Whether they be strangers, acquaintances, friends, families, lovers, my children, it didn't matter. I knew that now that I'm in a place where I love myself and I care about myself, then I have to exude that same care to others because I know at the end of the day, regardless of it either, um, regardless of if people care about me or empathize with my situation or not, I can't be, I can't follow in that conventional thought. I have to be who I am. And then since I am finding myself loving myself more, caring about myself more and paying attention to the way that I think, I have to be out in the world helping people and I have to empathize with people when they're going through the things that they go through. So that's also a great question to ask yourself. And it's also a, a question that has to do with 
the evolution of your maturity. If you would have asked me this question like 10 years ago, I don't think I would be where I should be at. Uh, If you asked me this question 20 years ago, I definitely wouldn't be able to give the answer that I gave now. If you asked me this question 10 years, you know, in the future, I may have a better answer for you. But um, as of right now, yes, I do care enough to empathize with people because I understand that we all go through things and I've gone through things and I didn't care about myself. So I didn't care about what what other people were going through. All I cared for was what I was going through. But now that I'm older and I understand that I still go through things, but that does not dictate how I empathize and show compassion to other people. And that has to be understood by everybody in regards to who you are and what you're trying to accomplish in this world and in being in this world. Um, so with that, um, my brownie point to everyone that's listening is that you have to find time to recognize, be aware, and understand yourself. Because at the end of the day, there are going to be people that are going to seek you out. And when they seek you out, because this goes for everybody, when they seek you out, you have to have a a knowledge base of who you are in order to help those around you to understand who they are and what they signify in this world. And what they mean to themselves. Um, I talk to kids on a regular basis. And these are conversations that I have with them. But I would not be able to have these conversations with them. Unless I was wholeheartedly um, understanding that I needed to understand who I was. And I needed to have um, a cognitive sense of what I mean to myself. And my value in order to sit here and tell another person their value and what they mean to the purpose and the grand scheme of this world and their existence. Um, So I challenge you, um, even if, I mean, even if it sounds weird and it sounds crazy to ask yourself questions like this, I challenge you guys to ask these questions to yourself. Um, Even if you don't have the answer, um, let yourself contemplate some of these things, because at some point in time, you will find the answer. Even if the answer is rudimentary or simple, you will have an answer and you'll be able to evolve that answer as your experiences through life um, kind of help you to to find what it is that you're looking for. Um, But like I said before, your life is um it's something miraculous it's it's a phenomenon it's something beautiful and people are going to look at your life and commemorate your life for the things that you have become for your accolade for your accolades for your accomplishments for the person um that you have become or will be or the person that you die as and you have to be prepared for all of that 
Um, you have to be prepared to guide people. You have to be prepared to to be real with people and straightforward with people. But you also have to be prepared to be hopeful and be sometimes the strength that is needed for people to find themselves. To be that motivating force, to be um, to be the person that helps to relinquish some of the negative thoughts that some of the people have. Um, you're going to be all of that. You are going to be in a predicament where you are going to be all of that to somebody in the world. You might be that to multiple people in the world. And that's why it's important to have to have a thought of yourself that is transcendent of your perspective on the things that you may deem negative about yourself. Because you are beautiful and you are going to be the best person for the situations that you find yourself in and for the experiences that you consummate for yourself. Um, so that is my brownie points for this episode. Um, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, this is very deep and I thought it was a great conversation to have. And like I said, always question everything about you in order to find more knowledge about yourself in order to help those with the knowledge that they need to be able to be the people that they're supposed to be. Um, and that's it. My name is Terrence Brown, and these are the Brownie Points. <laughs>